Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global events. John Miltimore is the editor-at-large at Fee.org. A scientist who helped Fauci discredit the lab leak theory says he can't sleep at night, and now he's speaking out. We'll uh, talk to John about that, as well as Jim McTigg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several murder mysteries. We'll visit with Jim as well. It is December the 11th, and on this day in, night, in 1777, General George Washington began marching 12,000 soldiers of his Continental Army from White Marsh to Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, from the winter, for the winter. As uh, Washington's men began crossing the Squirrel Hill River, they were surprised by a regiment of several thousand British troops led by General Corn- uh, Charles Cornwallis. Cornwallis came across the uh, Continental Forces by chance as he followed General William Howe's orders to forage for supplies in the hills outside Philadelphia. <clears throat> After spotting General Cornwallis and the British troops, General Washington ordered his soldiers to retreat from the river, where they destroyed the bridge to prevent the British from pursuing them. After engaging the British for a short time from the opposite side of the river, Washington and the Continental Army retreated back to White Marsh, delaying their march to uh, Valley Forge for several days. The Continental Army finally arrived safely at Valley Forge on December the 19th, where they would face a winter of starvation, disease, and death. While they suffered, the Prussian military advisor, Baron von Steuben, drilled the miserable men in proper military discipline. Von Steuben joined the military uh, French-born Marquis de Lafayette and Baron Johann de Kalb, as well as Thaddeus Kosciuszko and Count uh, Kazimir uh, Pulaski from Poland in an effort to uh, turn the ragtag rebels into a well-trained regiment. Uh, Come spring, the Washington would have a professional army with which to fight the British, uh, General Howe chose to enjoy the comparative luxury and civility of the winter in Philadelphia instead of engaging Washington's forces at Valley Forge, despite their weakened and ill-defended uh, state. His decision to cease uh, fire during the winter months, combined with the shocking news of Washington's new alliance with the France, led to his uh, recall. So uh, a lot of good things happened with good fortune uh, for the uh, Revolutionary Army under uh, General George Washington. Well, the S&P 500 heads into a, uh, this week at its highest level of the year after Friday's solid jobs report suggested the Fed could be all clear for a soft landing, bringing inflation back into normal without sending the economy into a recession. The S&P and the Dow have posted gains for six straight weeks, their longest streak since 2019. And U.S. uh, job growth accelerated in November, and the unemployment rate dropped to 3.7%, even as more people entered the labor force, pointing to an underlying strength in the labor market. Non-farm payrolls increased by 199,000 jobs last month. The Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics said its employment report on Friday, employment was in part boosted by the return of automobile workers and actors after the strikes, Data for October was unrevised to show 150,000 jobs added. Uh, unfortunately, uh, most of those jobs were uh, health care workers and government employers. And, of course, half of health care workers are financed by the government. So uh, uh, a lot of the jobs, again, are created by government and adds really very, no, very little value to the economy. The U.S. Central Bank is expected to keep rates unchanged next Wednesday, Uh, Employment debt gains are well above the 100,000 jobs per month needed to keep up growth in the working age population. The unemployment rate uh, dropped to 3.7% from nearly a two-year high of 3.9% in October. Well, Naples residents have been expressed concern over how long the city has taken to consider a proposed Naples Community Hospital Heart and Stroke Institute downtown, 
Around uh, May of 2021, NCH Healthcare System began working with the city on its proposed Heart and Stroke Institute so that it could be built at the uh, downtown NCH campus. In June of 2021, the city council adopted an ordinance limiting the height of the commercial zoning districts to three floors. Since then, the proposed project has made its way through months of public workshops, public hearings and review board meetings, and meetings with the planning advisory board. Throughout the negotiations, NCH's board said the uh, hospital agreed to lower the building's height from six to five floors, reduced its square footage, relocated the parking area and further from the street, and added more landscaping. The Naples City Council has previously unanimously approved allowing hospital uh, community hospital language in the public services zoning category. In November of uh, 2023, NCH asked the city's planning advisory board to have the property rezoned so it could exceed the city's three-story maximum height allowance. NCH feels that our proposed Heart, Vascular, and Stroke Institute has been stalled for some time, said NCH President and CEO Paul Hiltz. Hiltz said the city's demands for surveys and studies have been submitted to NCH in a timely manner. No local tax dollars support the project. About $100 million has been donated for the Institute, with uh, NCH calling for this most philanthropically supported project in the com- company's history. Even with the financial support, it has also been the longest-running project to get out of the gate in our history as well, Hiltz said. <clears throat> it's such a shame. These decisions can be made quickly if city council uh, could come make make a decision, quite frankly. I see that as uh, part of the leadership of the Naples City Council. The mayor, in my opinion, I think uh, makes meetings too long. It doesn't make, uh, lead to decisions. Uh, we, a new mayor would, uh, uh, would be a good addition. Gary Price, I think, would be the guy to, to elect. Well, University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill is resigning from her position. It's been my privilege to serve as president of the remarkable institution, she said in a statement. McGill faces multiple calls to resign after appearing before Congress and testifying about anti-Semitism on college campuses. One down, two to go, Representative Elise Stefanik wrote on the uh, social media platform X, this is only the beginning of addressing the pervasive, pervasive rot of anti-Semitism that has destroyed the most prestigious higher education institutions in America, she said. MIT President Sally Kornbluth, Harvard President Claudine Gay, and Penn President Liz McGill testified before the House Education and Workforce Committee on Tuesday. Their testimonies also resulted in at least one major donor saying he's withholding financial support from Penn. That would be $100 million. No wonder she's the first to step down. I'm sure they're hopeful that if they get a replacement for her, they'll get that $100 million back. The criticism about the school's present testimony is largely about the answers to committee members' questions on whether calling for genocide of Jews violates their uh, respective school code of conduct on bullying and harassment. None of them explicitly said the calling for such genocide would necessarily violate their code of conduct. They instead said it would depend on the circumstances and conduct an attempted uh, attempted to balance the matter with uh, that of free speech. Well, uh, I'm afraid they're going to lose out on this deal. In fact, uh, now there's clear evidence that Harvard University President uh, Claudine Gay plagiarized sections of her college dissertation this, according to reporters Christopher Rufo, Rufo and uh, Christopher Brunette, uh, in the report published Sundays, days after Gay's testimony of Congress, the two write that the Harvard president published her dissertation uh, and uh, actually stole or plagiarized information from Carol Swain's book, Black Faces, Black Interests. And uh, now, of course, <coughs> Claudine Gay is uh, saying that. <coughs> uh, that, uh, well, she's not guilty, and that this is just another example of racism. Ostensibly, uh, Gaze lifted a passage from uh, Lawrence Bobo and Franklin Gillum's work, Race, Sociopolitical Participation, and Black Empowerment, passing it off as her own. So I, I wouldn't say, with this information coming out, that she's too long for her role as president of the university. Well, American retirement savings have been hit hard by sky-high inflation under President Joe Biden, culminating in thousands of dollars in losses per person, according to a new report. 
this is by the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, uh, when both declining real stock indexes and high inflation are taken into account, the value of Americans' 401ks declined on average 24.8% since Biden took office in 2021, according to the report. The losses followed declines in real purchasing power due to high inflation, which also led to inflation-adjusted losses in stock market indexes. The average 401k uh, retirement plan uh, owing to real stock declines, has lost 12.7%, equaling, equating to losses of around $1 trillion cumulatively for Americans, accounting for additional investment. American 401ks have lost around $16,200 since Biden took office, just from inflation-linked depreciation. American savings overall have taken a hit since uh, following the COVID-19 pandemic, leading to recent decline in consumer spending, which accounts for around 70% of gross domestic product. Americans collectively held $768 billion in savings in October, less than the $1 trillion held in May, and even further from the nearly $6 trillion uh, Americans held in April 2020. So it's dropped from seven from $6 trillion down to $700 and uh, $68 billion. Amazing. The rates at which Americans are pulling prematurely from their retirement plans has also seen a recent spike, with the Bank of America reporting a 30%, 36% increase year over year in hardship withdrawals. That's appalling. So people are losing their grip on their finances, and uh, uh, we can thank the Biden administration for that. Also, Making, uh, masking up is recommended for those who are sick and want to take precautions amid rising respiratory illnesses this winter. That according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC. CDC Director Mandy Cohen released a video on Wednesday about how to be careful this year as the highly mutated Pyrola COVID variant uh, spreads alongside the respiratory viruses in the United States. She said the uh, uh, rep... Uh, the RSV cases are elevated this season with COVID and pneumonia cases, especially on the rise. The reason I take, I even mention the story and take exception to it is because we've already seen proof that masks make absolutely no difference whatsoever. I would much prefer to hear something from the CDC, like for those that have compromised immune systems, make sure that you're getting plenty of sunlight, eating fresh fruits, uh, having a healthy diet, getting plenty of sleep. But instead, masking up. Uh, you know, when are these people going to learn they're losing trust in the American people, American public, uh, by these types of comments? <clears throat> well, Hunter Biden's uh, Thursday indictment of federal charges in California revealed more than just his alleged failure to pay taxes. Also shows he's, he's pretty corrupt, and uh, that we'll be covering that story a little bit later in that show. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of historycentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Thank you. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. It's great for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you'll check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark Schulman, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. Mark, by the way, is in Tel Aviv, so he's right in the heart of uh, what's going on globally and what's taking a lot of the press, which is, of course, what's happening in Israel. Uh, Maybe you could bring us an update, Mark. Absolutely, Bob. Um, So the last couple of days, it was relatively quiet here in Tel Aviv. The last time we had uh, two rocket attacks last Friday, and then this morning, suddenly at noontime, sirens went out and went off and uh, ten rockets were fired in the area of Tel Aviv. One penetrated the Iron Dome defense system and landed in a suburb of Tel Aviv. Uh, it caused some damage to some cars, a little bit to some buildings, but no one was. Only one person was um, slightly wounded in his leg from shrapnel from from the rocket. Hmm. In the meantime, the war inside Gaza continues. Uh, the Israel is making steady progress, but it's urban fighting, which is always very difficult. Um, to date, Israel's lost a little over 100 soldiers in the fighting. They lost five this morning from, uh, or actually yesterday it was, from a, um, they went into a school um, to uh, investigate and clear it, and the Hamas operator exploded a major bomb inside the school and, and killed five soldiers. Mm. Um, so most of the northern part of the Gaza Strip has been uh, taken over by the Israeli forces, and at the moment most of the battles is taking place in a town called uh, Khan Yunus, which is where it's, it's thought to be uh, Hamas's current leadership is located underground somewhere, and where it's thought to be a lot of the hostages are located as well. Uh, the hostage holders for hostages is seemingly off the table at the moment after... Um, Hamas refused to bring out the last women and possibly two children. But the women, uh, no one is totally sure, but the general sense is they refused to bring them out because they didn't want the women to tell the stories of what's taken place Mm. uh, since they were captured. Well, the stories that have come out have been pretty uh, uh, damning of what's happening with and how Hamas is treating these prisoners. So the people, the reporting coming back from uh, prisoners that have been released are, are pretty damning. The other thing that's going on is there's a lot of bad press about uh, the Israeli uh, forces and what they're doing and the, the oppression of the uh, people in Gaza. Uh, it's, it seems like a lot of noise that probably makes things very difficult for the soldiers as well as uh, uh, the military. Well, the soldiers aren't hearing it so much, but it is a very problematic. Um, it's problematic on multiple levels. So first of all, let's, let's state the obvious. Some civilians have died in, in, in this uh, battle, there's no question. As always happens, there are civilian casualties, especially in urban warfare when your enemy is hiding behind civilians. So that's going to happen, and there have been deaths, and every death is is a shame. Um, the number of deaths per uh, airstrike or other strikes is basically 0.8 per strike, which is way below the 
world average, which is 4.2, and it's, you know, mm. the, in Syria and those places, even when Iraq, when Israel, when the United States fought in Iraq, we're talking about something the of 15 per strike. So the, the numbers are low, but they're still bad. And keep in mind the fact that there are no foreign correspondents in Gaza, all of the all of the networks, etc., are using Hamas people right. reporting for them. Yes, I so noticed. That. That's one of the problems. Words, the numbers are all from Hamas. The reporters are all Hamas. No one is reporting from from Gaza who's not working for Hamas in one way or another. Right. So that's you know that that's a problem. And you, the problem, of course, is um, I watch some of the American news, and it leads every day with the suffering of the Gazan people, which. I agree, they do suffer, but you know who brought it upon them, and uh, there's no easy solution to that. Uh, no. Obviously, the idea of a ceasefire, what that means, a ceasefire means is Hamas wins, because the only way for Hamas to lose is to keep on fighting to, until they're eliminated. And anything less than that, it's a Hamas victory. It means they got away with what they did on October 7th, and um, they get to rule for another day yeah so, so and now there are proposals that somehow the uh, palestinian authority uh take over re- responsibility for uh, uh for gaza uh you know that it seems to me that russia or that uh, israel should s- create some sort of a, a situation to keep the uh gaza safe uh for uh, israelis well, there's no question. There's the, the problem is, you know, you need something, right? Israel doesn't want to annex the Gaza Strip. It doesn't want to provide uh, schooling and everything else for the two million people who live there. Right. Uh, so you need some sort of a system after this, this war ends. And to be quite honest with you, no one has come up with a suggestion that that's really acceptable. Right. The, you know, the Israeli government hasn't come forward with a proposal. The Americans talk about a revamped, uh, Palestinian Authority, but what does it mean to be a revamped Palestinian Authority? Yeah. Uh, so who's going to do the revamping? The 88-year-old um, elected leader of who's elected for one term, I don't know, 18 years ago? I mean, so um, it's unclear what the, you know, what can happen afterwards. Uh, clearly something, there has to be some sort of plan, because Israel does not want to rule an additional two million people directly. So... We'll have to see. Yeah. So, is is the American position or the United States uh, position helpful at all in this? Uh, if well, it's been very helpful up until now. America's position has been, um, you know, destroy Hamas uh, and keep going until you destroy Hamas. You know, they they do say try to keep civilian casualties down. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what they're trying to do, but it's very very difficult. Like I said, in urban warfare, in close quarters, it's a very difficult thing to totally achieve. The U.S. wants more humanitarian aid to go to the Gazans. At this point, Israel has no problem with that. Uh, the realization is that Hamas is going to get some of it. They've been stealing some of it. There are pictures of them fighting with civilians, taking some of the aid. Uh, but, you know, no one wants two million people to starve. Right. So I don't think there's any problem with allowing more humanitarian aid into Gaza. Um, and the U.S. has been pushing for that. But overall... Uh, the Biden administration has been very, very helpful. Uh, I've been very, very supportive all the way through. Uh, we'll have to see what goes next. I mean, the other part of this, which we didn't discuss yet, there are two other parts to this. One is, of course, uh, the Lebanese border and the Hezbollah in the north. Right. And that's been pretty constant firing almost every single day. They fire Today they fired a, a reasonable number of rockets into the upper Galilee, and they fire anti-tank which are line of the sight weapons at Israeli and the positions close to the border, most of which have been evacuated. Mm. And those are very problematic because they're line of sight and they're very quick, and there's no time either to send up a, uh, a, a rocket to intercept or for the person who they're aiming at to find shelter because it's almost, it, it's almost immediate. Mm. Um, so that's very problematic. And the last problem, of course, is the Houthis in, in Yemen who are... Um, who work for the Iranians, and every couple of days they send a ballistic missile, a heavy missile towards Israel that they've gotten from the Iranians. So far, every single one of those missiles has been intercepted by Israel's Chetz um, arrow system. That's its, that's its long-range uh, missile interceptor system um, that was developed against Iranian missiles, and they've worked very well so far against the Houthis. They've also threatened to intercept any any ship coming and going from Israel, and they've also attacked 
Um, all sorts of different ships. Uh, yesterday, they seemed to have tried to attack a French frigate uh, the, with um, uh, with um, suicide uh, UAVs, drones. Wow. Uh, the French the French shot down the drones before they could hit the ship. So they're a little bit of a problematic country, group of people, let's put it that way. Absolutely. Uh, there's talk of putting together an international coalition made up of the U.S., Great Britain, France, and whoever else has naval have naval assets um, that can contribute to a uh, convoy ships coming and forth near there, and to, at some point to deal one way way and way or another with the Houthis. So that's um, that's a problematic uh, area. But like I've said before, that's the one area the U.S. has always done in the world since the 1800s: freedom of the seas. Absolutely. Uh, the other problem that's related to all this, but not directly, but it's related to Iran, is the Iranian-based militias have been attacking U.S. forces that are still in Iraq, yeah. a small number of forces, almost every day. And they've been also been attacking the U.S. embassy in the green zone of, of Baghdad. So this is a continuation of uh, Iranian-backed militias who are almost bringing it to the, bulk, to the, to the point of war within Iraq. So just what, what else we all need is a, a new war in Iraq. Yeah. Mark, just really appreciate this update. We have so much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Mildemore. He's the editor-at-large at fee.org. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So it uh, looks like uh, Putin has decided he wants to run for another term. I wanted to get your thoughts about that. Well, absolutely. He wants to run in a free and open election, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hasn't been a free and open election in about, I don't know, 20 years in Russia since he took office. He was, you know, elected once and uh, elected for life. Yeah. And that's really what Putin is all about. Um, he's going to try his best to 
to show some sort of accomplishments in Ukraine as part of his strategy for winning this election, the great leader who's expanding Russia, bring you know, make Russia great again. Let's put it that way in a very different way. Yeah. Um, so. How about, about um, how, Mark? How, how about his popularity? What do you uh, what, what do you know about it's that? It's very hard to know what his popularity really is. It, it really is to remember. All of the media is controlled by him. You can't say anything negative; you get arrested. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very hard. You think anyone's going to give a true answer if they're asked in a in a, an opinion poll? Yeah, no problem. So it's it's really very very difficult to to gauge. It's always been difficult to gauge uh, opinion polls amongst. Uh, in dictatorships like this, because you really can never get true answers from anybody. I mean, people are upset about the war on many levels because the casualties are high. Uh, but, you know, Russians are sort of used to it on one level, and B, like I said, they're very afraid to speak out, so it, it's almost impossible. And my guess is if he re- ran against Nevetsky, who's been in prison now, he's, you know, his single mo- single biggest opponent um, is he's imprisoned in, in in Siberia, and every time, every couple of months, he has additional charges against him to make sure that he never gets out of prison. Um, so, you know, though, I, I would I just uh, just to offer this thought. Want to get your thoughts about this? That Russia has always been dominated by some sort of a dictator, going back to the czars. Uh, United States, of course, were founded on the whole notion of liberty. Here, we have a different culture and expectation. Any thoughts about that? I don't accept that in a, on a, on a lot in a large way because listen, until World War II, almost the whole world, you know, with the exception of France and England and a few places in Western Europe, were all dictatorships of some kind or another. Yeah, and slowly but surely, a good part of the world transitions. I mean, you can talk about Japan, right? Japan, uh, Japan was a country that was used to having an emperor, right? Uh, Japan is a he still is an emperor, but he's you know like the king of England. You know the king of England. He doesn't have any real power, uh-huh. and it's a true true democracy. South Korea is a true democracy. Taiwan is a true democracy. No history of democracy there. So I think we're playing it. Um, it's playing it wrong. It's, it's it's talking down and looking down at the Russian people to think they don't want a democracy like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, given a choice, most people want the ability to choose their leaders. Sometimes they're not given a choice. Yeah. And sometimes the culture um, makes it easier for dictators to gain control. Mm-hmm. But look what just happened in Poland. After uh, the, the president of Poland had become close to a dictator, he hadn't totally made it, made it to being a dictator, and there were free elections, and he lost. Yeah, uh, those, so, are, those are great points, for sure. Well, let's move to uh, Hungary. So Hungary, we have Orden, who's, who's a dictator. Uh, just like Putin, he's been in office now for, I believe, 20 years. When he came back, to, he lost once, and when he came back to power, he vowed never to lose again, and he's made sure of that. He's done it in a very interesting way. What he did was eliminate um, all the free press. How do you eliminate all the free press? Um, it's an interesting method. What you do is you remove all sorts of, you, you remove all government advertising, from all the newspapers and radio stations and TV stations that is free and independent. Mm-hmm. Um, you then, of course, cause their stocks to drop drastically because they're having trouble making, you know, being a successful business. And then you have your cronies come in and buy it at a very low price. So there is no free press in Hungary anymore. It's all controlled one way or another by Viktor Orban. Um, so he's also managed to establish himself as a dictator for life. And he's coming to the United States, um, I think, this week, I think, to speak at the Heritage Foundation to try to convince more Americans not to support Ukraine because his friend Putin um, is, doesn't, you know, he and Putin are on the same, same path in many ways. He's been creating a lot of problems within the EU in terms of supporting uh, Ukraine as well. He's the only country in the EU that has been opposing aid to, to Ukraine. Uh, so he's coming here to spread his his wondrous word, words in the Heritage Foundation, um, much to the belief of you know most previous supporters of the Heritage Foundation is now hosting him. So, and he also has a, a stance against uh, uh, immigration. I mean, he's he's definitely a nationalist. There's no question about that. That's part of his message as well. So that tends to resonate with some Americans. 
No, I understand that, but but people make a mistake here. That, that's one of the problems that I find is interesting. That because he's against immigration, right? Uh-huh. There are a number of different places in Europe that are against immigration. Automatically, people think they should align with them. But think about all the other values, right? In other words, immigration is one thing. I'm not, you know, that's good, bad, or indifferent. We can discuss that at a separate time. But let's say you agree with this policy about immigration. Okay, that's very nice. But do you want? Do you believe in dictatorships? No. Do you believe in no free press? These things are much more central to American values than whether you have or don't have, you know, more or less immigrants. I think so, that same I, conversation though could be had about Ukraine. No, I don't think so. In what way? Well, uh, for example, t- taking their uh, political opponents, putting them in jail, uh, the oppression. But, uh, by all by all measures, Ukraine is considered a democracy and a successful democracy. The opponents, or by and large, considered uh, the ones who've been jailed to have been corrupt. Uh, almost everyone in the EU believes that Ukraine has moved much far farther towards democracy uh, than you know almost any other country re- re- in the past past two years of the of the war, but even before that. So that's just a fa- fallacious argument. It's certainly no it's certainly no dictatorship uh, like like Orban. I mean, Zelensky won an election much to everyone's surprise, but he was elected president, and he didn't seize power in any which way. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's a false statement being made, or false premise being pushed forward by people who oppose Ukrainian aid. You know, Ukraine is a democracy, and Ukraine's values are very similar to American values in most areas, certainly much more similar than Putin's values. Yeah. So that's Mark- one of the things I think, again, I, I have this problem that people look at, take one issue, and say, ah, we agree with him, he's right. Well, you know, immigration is not the only issue in the world. Well, I would agree with not uh, settling on one issue. I think we had to take up the global situation. And it's a lot more, uh, to your point, is a lot more nuanced than uh, many people uh, give it credit for. It's, uh, in many cases, especially what you find in Ukraine, is somebody has a white hat, somebody has a black hat. And that kind of defines... I just want to make one other point that's become clear. And we discussed this previously. <clears throat> but at the current moment, 90% of the money that is allocated for Ukraine is spent in the United States. So the idea that it's corrupt and everything else is also just false, because 90% of the money goes to American defense contractors, by and large. Now you can get into a whole question of the American defense, you know, you can go into that whole question about, you know, defense contractors and, you know, all of those issues, but, but it's not being, it's not corruption inside of Ukraine. It's all going to U.S. defense contractors to provide weapons either to Ukraine or to provide weapons for the United States for the weapons that we've given to Ukraine to replace them. Yeah, great point. Again, Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I hope you check it out. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, going to be visiting with John Miltivore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. 
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And I hope you'll visit the website, get some tickets for some great upcoming performances. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us John Miltimore. John is the editor at large for fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, good morning, Bob. Great being with you today. Thank you so much, John. Tell us about Fee.org. Yeah, Fee was an organization founded in 1946, not long after uh, World War II. Um, Our mission is to educate people, young people especially, on economics, the liberty philosophy, and the other ingredients necessary for a free and prosperous society. Great organization, FEE.org. I hope you'll check out the website. It's uh, very robust and introduce it to uh, young people, high school and college ages especially. So, John, you wrote a column. I think it first appeared in the Washington Examiner and now on the website that you represent. It's called A Scientist Who Helped Fauci Discredit the Lab Leak Theory and Says He Can't Sleep at Night and Now He's Speaking Out. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, uh, that's... Uh, article is about Dr. Robert Cadlick, and, and it's not a name probably familiar to too many Americans, um, but if you look back at 2020, he's one of the the doctors that is standing next to Fauci in a lot of those those pictures. He's, he's you know, behind the podium in Dr. Fauci. He was head of the federal government's preparedness effort, uh, one of the highest ranking, you know, federal officials in, in regard to our COVID response. Uh, and Dr. Robert Cadlick was speaking to media, um, Australian media. I, I, I did wonder why he chose Australian media instead of U.S. media. I have some theories on that, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, it was his interview was with Sky News, and, and he was just very candid about some of the decisions they made in 2020. And one of those decisions was going along with Dr. Fauci's effort to downplay the the idea that this could have possibly came from from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the virus. Um, And, you know, if you look back, that theory emerged very quickly, but, you know, Tom Cotton was one of the, the senator from uh, Arkansas, was one of the first people to talk about this. And he promptly was smeared as a conspiracy theorist by several newspapers, including the New York Times, the Washington Post. The Washington Post, to their credit, ran a correction. Because today we know, of course, most federal agencies agree it's most likely this did come from Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is there, there seemed to be a really collective effort um, to not just downplay, but to suppress people that, that wanted to speculate, like, hey, there's this, you know, laboratory in Wuhan, China, that actually does these experiments on coronaviruses. And this is right where the pandemic started. But to talk about that, you know, you'd risk censorship. Um, you, you could be banned by so, social media. You know, I think you could lose your job. Like there was, a, there was a, a huge, huge effort to suppress people speculating about that. And I think that deserves more attention. <laughs> and I think we're going to get some more answers on that front. You know, as I explained in the article, Dr. Fauci will be testifying for seven hours each day for a couple of days privately. He'll be grilled, and then he will have a public appearance after that. But that we need some questions. There's a lot of things in here. The, the CIA, you have a CIA whistleblower that said agents over there who were coming up with their own assessment were, were, were bribed. He uses the, that word. They, they were given you know, monetary compensation to change their, their view. They said, we, we believe it comes from Wuhan, but they were, they were being you know, pressured to say, well, we're uncertain. 
and, and they wanted to come up with that ruling. And we know that Dr. Fauci actually visited the CIA um, in, a, in, in like a, a secret visit. He was not signed in, which is not the norm. So, that, you know, I hate to use that word conspiracy because it, it's a word, it makes you kind of look like a kook today. And I think we're, we're trained to look, you know, to make, to think that people might be kooks if they're, if they're talking about that. But that's really what this looks like. You have a, a small number of people that were trying to um, downplay what, what was privately the likely assessment of these scientists. I think many of them, you know, if you look back at our early, you know, the Proximal Origins paper, which was the first major paper done on this, privately, those, do- those scientists, they did believe this, this likely came from Wuhan, but publicly they said, no, 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 it was, it, we believe it was, uh, you know, naturally born. So there's a lot to peel back here. And I, I, Dr. Cadillac, just to go full circle, he talked about this. He said, look, there's massive incentives here for, for people, especially Dr. Fauci, to, to downplay this, right? Because he was going to look really bad if this did emerge from Wuhan because Dr. Fauci's agency and U.S. tax dollars were funding some of this risky research. It's so true, and I think it kind of exposes what I consider to be a, a number of things around the whole vaccine and the virus issue, everything from masking up, lockdowns, uh, and I think the CDC, quite frankly, uh, eliminated the use of uh, hydroxychloroquine and a number of other th- uh, remedies. And, Ivermectin, yeah. Yeah, that, that could have been very helpful during this period of time, and people suffered as a result. So uh, th- this kind of amounts to, uh, I think, crimes against the American people, people around the globe. Yeah, it really does. It, it was you know baffling during the pandemic to me, because I'm like, we're dealing with a virus that we really know so little about. Mm-hmm. And, okay, we, we, we came up with a vaccine that's good, but I could not understand why they were suppressing other treatments like this and why they were revoking the licenses of doctors who, who said, Hey, we, we have some evidence that this is working. We're going to try this, whether it was hydroxychloroquine or, or ivermectin. And they're saying, no, 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 you can't use those things. And, and like, and this is, this is witchcraft or, you know, like they compare, they're, they're really making it sound like you're a nutcase if you want to try these other treatments when we didn't know. But I do think it was a big centralized effort. Like we were supposed to have one solution, get vaccinated. That's it. And by the way, we're not going to give you a choice in that matter. You're going to get it, which I think was really appalling. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I, not by any stretch of anti-vaxxer, um, but when you're forcing people to take a, a brand new vaccine that they may or may not need, right? If you're not in the risk group, there really shouldn't be a huge need for this, which is exactly what Dr. Fauci is saying today. Dr. Fauci is saying today we should give people choice and you know, even high-risk individuals. But, but you know, in 2020, 2021, it was a very different story. And it was driven by panic. And I think there were other incentives, you know, at, at work as well. We can see like there was, you know, companies like Moderna and Pfizer putting very heavy pressure trying to get this, you know, mandated. Um, and I really think we need, we, people need to ask more questions. We need more public oversight on this. And this is something I don't know if I talk about this much in the article, but we're how many years into this pandemic now? We still have not had a, a commission that is actually investigating the origins of this virus, and to me, that's 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 crazy. This virus has killed seven million people, um, and you know that's the official you know number today. We need to have more information about how this happened, but there seems to be a, a, a lack of effort to get that answer. Well, and, and I might add, there's also some suspicion that, that the numbers are not right. The death rate was much lower. In fact, the death rate from the vaccine itself might be higher. In other words, there's so much information that's been, I think, uh, turned around, edited to, for uh, for people around the globe. To your point, I think we need mm-hmm. an investigation to figure out what's really true. No question. And, and, you know, I'm using official numbers with that estimate. I think, you know, we've been going about this for years saying, well, did they die of COVID or with COVID? There's a big difference there, right? Um, A lot of people, we saw people marked as COVID deaths when they died on a motorcycle or fell off a roof or something. Like we looked at those and it was almost too hard to believe, right, during during the pandemic that those stories were true. But it turned out many they they, they were true. And not only so, yeah, there, fin- there, there is a whole bunch of more you know answers we need. That's right, and there were financial incentives to mark COVID yes. on the uh, death certificate too for uh, hospitals and for a number of people involved in this whole thing. So do you? Yeah, po- there's a lot of evidence in that. And I had a personal experience when my grandfather passed in 2021. They had him listed as a COVID death, and yeah. like my, my family was appalled. Like he was never diagnosed. With COVID. 
we, he, he, to our knowledge, he doesn't have COVID. Do you have anything that says he does? And they're like, uh, well, no, we don't. That was a mistake. But I don't think it was a mistake. I think hospitals, uh, to your point, were incentivized. Many survived because they played those rules, you know, fast and loose. Um, they, they needed the money, and they got a lot more federal dollars by declaring the death of COVID death. That's such an interesting conversation. Again, John Miltimore, the editor at large for fee.org, F-E-E.org. I hope you check out the website. John, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks uh, for inviting me, Bobby. Have yourself a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many murder mysteries, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now written some several murder mysteries that are so entertaining and interesting. The first is Follow the Leader. Its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest, it's called No Problem by Jim McTago. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. I've, I've been thinking all morning about how the Fed and Joe Biden have so badly distorted the, the economy uh, that the ultimate outcome after the next election is just a fiscal disaster for this country. Um, hmm. You know, the uh, Wall Street Journal has another poll showing that Trump is significantly more popular than Biden. And the reasons are evident. I mean, young people can't afford houses. People, these electric cars are are costly and and they're impractical. So our standard of living has eroded substantially. Now, having said that... I think we're in a, bub- a stock market bubble. Uh, the Fed raised uh, rates 11 times, and, and uh, I see signs that the economy is really softening and that they, you know, being political animals, uh, they don't want to uh, damage Joe Biden's reelection chances. I think they'll either hold or even reduce rates before the next election. Um, and it, and let me give you an example. I think the job numbers that we just got are much weaker than advertised. You know, we added 199,000 jobs. 
uh, 30,000 of those were returning auto workers. They had been on strike. 17,000 were returning Hollywood types had been on strike. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, there's a number for government hiring. Government added 40,000 people. I think what, peop what the public forgets, what Wall Street forgets, because they ignore the fiscal side of the coin, they're only looking at the Fed, they're not looking at the federal government. Uh, back in, um, I think it was uh, 2022, uh, Biden signed the, uh, an American Relief Act, um, the American Rescue Plan, a $1.9 trillion program to uh, offset the impact of COVID. Yeah. And $350 billion of that into state, local, territorial, and tribal governments. And they weren't allowed to directly use it to reduce taxes, uh, but they could, they could replace lost revenue streams. And they were allowed to use it to increase wages for police, for nurses, for grocery workers, uh, you name it. And because money is fungible, they really did keep taxes down. Uh, and that money begins to run out yeah. in 2025 through 2026. So with that revenue stream going, gone, state and county and local governments across the border will be required to raise taxes, number one, which will be a huge drag on the economy. The federal government has to raise taxes to pay for all these programs. You know, this Relief Act, uh, Biden's loan forgiveness programs. So uh, my point is this, enjoy the bubble we're in now. Uh -huh. I've made lots of money over my life in stock market bubbles. Uh, and it's like the old Kenny Rogers song, The Gambler. You have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And I would suggest that after the next election, regardless of the winner, you know, whether it's Trump or Biden or somebody else, you get out of the stock market and, <laughs> and just sit on that pile of money because the day of reckoning is coming. Well, I think I, I absolutely agree with you that uh, it, we've seen savings go down, American savings go down substantially since the uh, pandemic. And a, a lot of that is because of the government money that was thrown at the problem at the time, and including the bill that you just mentioned. You know, uh, Biden had a, a $7.5 billion in the infrastructure bill for uh, construction of electric vehicle chargers. Do you know how many chargers have been built with that money? I... Uh, I imagine a handful, but tell me. None. None. <laughs> okay. Less than a handful. <laughs> so, so it's the typical thing. Uh, these politicians show up for the ribbon cutting, but they never get involved in the implementation and making sure that things go smoothly. That's the difference between uh, uh, private enterprise and government. Government just wants to uh, do the flash, get a shiny object out there and have people like it. And then they just forget about it. Don't worry about the implementation at all. That's just, that's the sad sad truth. Now, what I see, I live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, which I think is a bellwether for the entire U.S. economy. And the reason is, uh, we have a huge blue collar economy here, a smaller white collar economy. But I mean, this is paradise for high school graduates with skills. Mm -hmm. um, and there's still lots of job openings, but. I go to the, the biggest shopping mall in the county uh, uh, early last week. It was it was empty. You know, this is Christmas season, and the stores there, except for the big department stores, don't open until 11 a.m. Wow. Uh, and uh, they're discounting. I saw 75% discount signs. Um, I talked to clerks in the store, and they said, Business was great up until Black Monday, and then after Black Monday, people disappeared. Yeah, and there, and there's so anyway. You know, I think the retail numbers that come out this week will look stronger than they actually are because they're looking backwards. Uh, we have inflation figures coming out this week. I think it it will we'll see a, a decrease in inflation, mm -hmm. and in terms of the job numbers and health on it. 
uh, I talked to, you know, the trucking industry has had massive layoffs. And I mention this because I talked to uh, a manager at a uh, nursing home, and she was telling me how they have job openings, but it's almost impossible to fill them because they can't find people who meet the uh, skill levels that they need. She told me she's been getting lots of applications from truck drivers to be um, geriatric geriatric caregivers and and, and counselors. So... um, I tell you this, as usual, Jim, you've you've brought us some interesting commentary here on what's happening around the United States. I really appreciate your commentary. Again, Jim, I take his latest book is no problem. I hope you'll check it out. Jim, wish you had more time, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the news out and uh, support our advertisers. We've got some great guests for tomorrow's show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.